Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. So good morning, hello, and welcome to IRC Book Club, the show where pretty much weekly we take a sales book and talk about it a lot. And under our new format today, we have got Russell Poole and Dave Stanley here as guests today, along with Mike Bryce, who is uh, is my regular co-host, partner in crime. Welcome, guys. I guess probably the first thing to do is if I could ask you both to introduce yourself so our audience knows a little bit more about who you are. Russell? Yeah, hello there. So Russell Paul here. So I am the uh, Regional Director for UK and Ireland for Logpoints. Background from myself is I've been working in IT security for far too many years, about 25 years, running security resellers, security departments in large SIs for many years been working with Logpoint now for uh, just over three years, really taking a, a solution to market around dealing with uh, security incident event management, SIEM solutions, which actually encompasses the whole of the IT security arena and actually gives a, a real clear insights into what's going across uh, customers' environments and networks to actually provide that visibility that people need today. But yeah, really happy to be here today and looking forward to talk about this book. We're really grateful Super. you've come on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Dave, tell uh, us about you. Yeah. Happy to introduce myself as Dave Stanley. And um, similar to Russell, I've been in the industry about 25 years. Differently, mostly with vendors. So started off way back in the day with, with Sophos. Um, wow. We probably talk about how people got into sales, but I, I fell into it after a short career in the civil service. Really? And then, yeah, absolutely. And then got into... Um, IT, so worked with a number of American startups, Israeli startups, but about five years ago, decided to make a, a small change. In fact, one of the biggest gaps that we have is implementation. Selling is great, but making it work is important. So now I run a and co-founded a services company called Aditina. Um, not much behind the name, other than the fact that it's Italian. And we work with places like uh, Lockpoint, uh, right. lots of other technologies, <clears throat> to make sure implementations go correctly. So we have professional services, we work independently, we never sell products, which allows us to work right the way across the channel with distribution, vendors, and resellers. Great. So I, I, I think probably the first place we can start this conversation is, today we're covering a book called Virtual Selling by Mike Schultz, Dave Shaby, Andy Springer, and John Doer. I have read it over the weekend They've really hammed it, laid it on thick about how different the world of selling has become in our, I hate this phrase, new normal, but it is a bit new normal. It's, it is what it is. How different has it been? How's it been for you guys as business leaders? It's, it's been different, but it's not been that different. So I think we're on a journey which was going to lead to where we are now anyway. And I think what's actually happened in a lot of, in the selling world, but also in a lot of other industries is things have been accelerated. So we've actually right. got to a place which we probably would have got to in about five years time anyway, I think. But with that, 
And they actually, when I looked at this book, I thought, oh God, it's going to be about setting up Zoom calls and how to actually get, uh, get uh, <laughs> over, over virtual environments. But it's actually got some really good insights into there as well. But it's about how we actually get those skill sets that we've got when we're meeting face to face and how we actually maximize those over a virtual environment. And that's the big challenge is how do you build those relationships? How do you get that collaboration that yeah. you're so used to when you're in a room with someone, which is actually quite difficult over a virtual meeting, um, over yeah. a virtual relationship. Um, well, you pick, does, where it, it does actually, yeah. In a meeting room, you can walk across a room, pick up a whiteboard pen and start scribbling. And that analog thing, we are, I don't, I'm, I, I know, I don't know if Mike does that, but if I'm on a client's site and we're talking about a project, I'll often stand up and scribble and make notes. And just something as simple as that is now a very no, different. never do that. Well, I do. If I'm on client site, if I'm taking a brief, sometimes I'll write it down or I'll write out how we're going to do it or I'll do my pitch on the whiteboard. I, I'm quite an analog marking kind of guy. But it's those little subtle differences, I think they are very different. What about you, Dave? Um, I'm going to wrestle. It was coming. I think from our perspective, we felt it an awful lot less. We're a, right. we're a virtual team anyway. So right. we've got a couple of offices. Just about everybody works all over the, the country. So we, we've been doing this for a while, and we've been advocating virtual engagements quite a lot. Again, if you think about our professional services engagements, for a lot of times we don't want to or don't need to go to site. It carries additional costs and so on. And we were on that educational path anyway i think less about right. selling more about delivery like yourself i i do prefer the in-person thing but i'm very i've had to adjust quite a lot my hands have to stay stay a lot stiller than they would be <laughs> in a live meeting I, I, there is a preference to that but i think there, there have been some amazing um steps forward I, I agree it's been accelerated and i think it was inevitable but to me and, and this is where i might start on the book i think there have been as many positives to be taken from this environment than, than negatives or adjustments. Yeah. I think, and I wonder how much of this is that we were already as a sector, us as recruiters, because we're used to working with people in the technology sector, Yeah, the sector itself. I wonder the extent to which we were already very much pre-insulated to what was coming in comparison to other market sectors. It would be interesting to get somebody who sells something totally different to in, any form of technology or IT and ask them how they've been. Whereas everybody I know in my little bubble and universe, it's just, yeah, whatever. It's all right. I was there. I was there anyway. A couple of um, points of that actually, Jonathan. I, I placed quite a few people here with <clears throat> companies who sell software to the housing sector and right. all the housing sector guys say they spent the first three months actually finding laptops for their clients to be mm. able to work from home which I oh, really? thought was absolutely staggering. And you must see this in the security market. How well prepared are the vast majority of workers to securely work from home? Not very, I suspect. No, I, th I think you're right there. I don't think they were very prepared, but I think they were doing it, Michael. And what this did is it shone a spot spotlight on whether or not they were doing it correctly. Yes. And the second thing I was going to say, Russell, something that you were talking about a couple of minutes ago was, and I agree completely, it, it sped up five years worth of change anyway, where we we're going to get to. A bit like the high street. The real question is, this isn't the end of the journey for homeworking now, is it? No. It's just on the journey. This is like a stop. 
And I wonder where we're going to be in five years' time from now under what's going to happen with that. Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, I think I don't know the answer. I think it's going to evolve and change. You might have time in offices, sometimes remotely. But the whole way we interact and collaborate is going to change as well. And not just for, for, for salespeople, but also the way we work in offices, in office space, the way we mentor people, the way we run team meetings, all that needs to develop. And I think there's a lot of learning over the next few years on how that actually works. Absolutely. Yeah, it will be fascinating, I think. That was my first thought was the extent to which it's changed. I think you know, and one of the things I found very difficult with this book is Mike and I are already very, we are so virtual, particularly the recruitment industry. I would say only 10% of our client interactions, if that was face-to-face, would you say, Mike? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, um, a lot of the clients that I've worked with, I've worked with them for 20 years. So actually sitting down with them online is fine. Yeah. And I said to a guy yesterday, are we ever going to meet again? He said, I don't know, Mike, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> but, why, so but why do we need to? We're, we're already in rapport. We're working together. So I, I found uh, that part of the book, I've, all, I've had to really work at bending my head around the fact that there are differences because my, my little world is so not different in reality. Mm-hmm. Okay, the only thing I'm missing is sitting in an office with Mike, walking around the corner for a coffee, and the occasional trip out to see a client, maybe once a fortnight, typically I'd have a day on the road. And that's, uh, and that's a good thing, really. So we've, it's just not, we've not stopped, have we, Mike? And that's, so that's been hard for me getting my head around it. Mm. Let's have a quick overall. How's everybody got on with this one as a book? Mike, what have you made of it? Uh, so, so it's interesting. I'm going to pick on you again, actually, Russell. <laughs> <Don't be too. laughs> because you, because Russell said, "Yeah, I thought it was just all going to be about setting up Zoom calls and stuff." And and, and actually, I felt the book could do with a bit more of that. Really, I, I, I felt like there maybe should have been a chapter on how to get your, your how to get your situation set up. You know, looking at four people. Hey, obviously, you three spend a lot of time online so your background looks right and it's bright enough and I can hear you and all that kind of stuff but I don't think that necessarily falls naturally to a lot of people and I think really for me the book should have had some technical right this is how you set your room up this is where you put your light this is how you need to look on the screen then I also think with the book there's a huge difference in terms of being sat on a screen to being sat opposite somebody and I don't think what the book did enough of was thinking about looking at the screen properly. So if I look at Dave, Dave's got his hand on his chin. Now, if this were a a proper book about selling it, it'd say, what does that tell me about what Dave's doing now? It doesn't give, the book doesn't give me any feedback on what's going on. When you look at Russell doesn't move much. So what does that tell me about his body language? Johnny's got guitars in the back of it. So what does that tell me? And there just wasn't enough of that, I didn't think. No. I also thought the book was a rehash of an old book where they'd just gone, oh, it's May. We can flog some more of our book. Let's just put the word virtual yeah. in front of Russell. Down, you know? but, I, I, but I don't want to criticise it too much because I did actually think it was all right. But I did read it thinking, you've just mentioned the word virtual a few times. Why aren't you helping me with how to talk to people, read people and influence people virtually? They are. That's, I may as well just leave now, hadn't I? I, I if we just go on to a separate room. 
Michael, because they're my notes. Oh, like, really? I, I just really struggled with it. I had to go back over it. So I, so I started, I couldn't figure out why. And I do agree, I felt there was a lack of practicality. And I really agree that it felt like a rehash of a book they'd previously written. And all the best yeah, pieces, probably in that book, not, not yeah. this book, it's, it's, it's where they're yes. taking it. And, there were some I good think, bits in this. As almost like, oh, a, almost like, are, Rod, some, like Rod Stewart's hit. greatest hits. <laughs> there's, there's the guitar, sir. <laughs> it was like a greatest hits album, except the problem with greatest hits albums are the artist never actually designed those songs to all be together in one album. It's like taking Jane, it's like saying Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits and you've taken Rhiannon and the Jane and whatever. They weren't designed to be on the same record together. And I felt, yeah, that's an all right single, that. But actually, you wrote that in 71 and you wrote that in 78. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, was my overall. So there were some interesting questions uh, that I, I thought we could just kick off some discussion around. They talked a lot about really trying to show up the differences between what's happening now and what has been happening in a selling environment. And mm-hmm. I, I always start, I always read the foreword to every book. I thought the foreword was boring and superfluous and took up my time for no reason. I, I lost several minutes of my life um, that I'll never, ever get back. And then they talked a little bit about how senior level decision makers are now really doing lots of business online. And, uh, and they talked a lot about 82% of them look up sellers on LinkedIn before replying to sellers prospecting. Now I put, and I've got a couple of questions here, which is firstly, do truly senior level buyers really use LinkedIn? Question one. Question two, is it really that different? I really don't think, and you guys will have different levels of buyers to up to what Mike and I'll have. So for me and Mike, it's sales directors. And yes, quite a lot of them do. But actually a lot of our target market is CEOs of companies with between maybe one and 50 million turnover. Those clients, they are not using LinkedIn. If I'm the CEO of a company that turns over 35, 40 million, I'm just not on LinkedIn. I don't use it. I don't go near it. I pay someone else to do it. I pay someone else to manage my LinkedIn profile. I pay someone else to manage my my own profile. Donald Trump, he's an anomaly being a man that uses his own social media. What's that been like for you as a buying environment? Are your customers using LinkedIn and actually being part of the conversation? I would say it's about 50-50, as you say. It's about some CEOs and senior level people will never use the social media. Um, I've even come across a couple who won't even use email um, still. (laughs) And they have people very unusual. But we've seen a a, a massive change. It does outline that in the booklets. We've seen it used more and more for not just for kind of looking up people and looking who you're speaking to, but also for market awareness and how that business is actually running PR and things like that. And it's becoming more of a narrative for that level of, of engagement inside businesses where it's actually not just seen as something to, to educate yourself about an individual. It's actually something to actually take your business to market, which means it's getting that sea level insights and sea level um, adoption as well, more and more as we go forward. There's a scene as a business tool, not just as a networking tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you think people, do you think senior level buyers do check you out before you turn up on LinkedIn? I doubt it very much in the first instance. And this is all about relationships, isn't it? 
And you, yeah. as you just said before, it's around you don't need to meet people because you've been working with them for years and you have that relationship already. Mm. And if we go and sit down in a meeting with someone and it's the first time you've met them, I doubt very much. But if you've got rapport there and you've got an engagement that's working and you're adding value, then potentially, yes, they'll just check you out to make sure that you're actually say, saying what, what you're saying is true, what your credentials are. And it's a very good place to get that kind of visibility from that level, I guess. What do you reckon, Dave? Yeah. Um, I think people use it. I do think they use it to check each other out quite quickly. Uh, I think the problem with this situation, this pandemic, is social media is losing a lot of its traction. It's almost like a bell curve. People that were on there originally, they used it, they found it very useful. Now there's so much noise, so much going on. I mean, the amount of invitations I get that are random, irrelevant to me, but completely relevant to the potential seller, it's it's just ridiculous. I I feel there's a real turn-off going on. At the moment, yeah. companies have a presence. They want to tell you what they want to do. But the, the, the noise is so much that any senior level person now is not looking unless they want something. Mm-hmm. And usually that's just going to be to check out, as Russell said, your credentials. It's fascinating. I, I actually think LinkedIn has become a cesspool. Uh, and I wrote, I actually wrote that in my notes. It, it, Michael and I, we have to be on LinkedIn pretty much all day. But that's but I earn my living staring at LinkedIn. Mike does it's our job to get up and look on the LinkedIn platform and spend time on it. But the amount of noise from a virtual selling perspective is Michael is much more disciplined than me. I know that Michael can go days without ever looking at the LinkedIn feed because he is a machine and will comfortably go get up in the morning and only ever look in his recruiter account and never look in his LinkedIn account. You could, it, you could lose your you could lose your mind otherwise. You just end up spending hours oh. trawling through and go, you know, let's get right. LinkedIn is beautifully designed for that. I don't know where the book covers this actually. I think it's later on in the book. It yeah, in product when he talks about productivity, yeah. Mm-hmm. But as a, a, lot as of a people platform, get sucked into LinkedIn. As a platform, I think it's and in terms of the virtual selling world. Firstly, I think if you're using LinkedIn as you're selling, as a key selling tool, I think you're nuts. If it's anything more than 10% of your selling mix, I think you're mental. And secondly, it has become monumentally noisy, which I think we'll talk about when we get down to productivity. What about the fact that they talk a lot about sellers doing a lesser job of selling in this new environment? So they're saying that there's a couple of quotes here. Not only do buyers say sellers are not very effective when it comes to virtual buyer interactions, but they're doing a remarkably poor job in the areas that most influence buyers' purchase decisions, such as leading a thorough needs discovery, listening, showing what's possible, and making the return on investment case clear, among others. Really? Yeah, I mentioned earlier about the virtual world is highlighting. People who are already working at home, they highlighted the deficiencies of what they've got because everybody's looking at it. I think this is exactly the same. I don't think there's any particular difference in sellers. It's just that you're seeing more of them from a productivity perspective. Yeah. So you're thinking that nobody knows what they're doing. I'm not really sure they ever did face-to-face. It's just, <laughs> it's just you're exposed to it more. Right. You know, so so it, it feels like there's a lot more going on, a lot um, more negativity, or people are not very good at this. That's because you might have five calls a day instead of two meetings. Yes. Fair comment. We're more active, aren't we? Our activity levels are higher. Much higher. Much higher. That's the craziness of it. Is I've done. I reckon more customer meetings since March. I'm sure Mike's the same than we were doing before. 
and it's easier to get meetings. What was interesting, and I did write this, uh, and, I, and I wonder what your thoughts are, is there's nowhere in here that talks about, and something I found, I did a meeting the other week at half nine with a guy in Australia. Last Tuesday night, half nine at night, 10.15, I finished my call. You guys probably used to that because you're used to working with international colleagues. But I was knackered. And do you know what? It was a rubbish meeting and I didn't qualify it well enough. And actually, I shouldn't have done the meeting. And there's nothing in the book where, where we talk about a seller's doing a good enough job that says, actually, we've all got miles more activity. It's miles easier to organize. Yeah, yeah, let's jump on a Teams call. But there's nothing about qualifying your calls. And we're all really busy. I don't know about you guys, but I am shattered. I cannot wait for the 18th of December. Ready for a break, me. More ready for a break than I've ever been in my entire career. But why? Because actually, I wonder how much of it is because I've done loads of meetings that I could have probably qualified out of. Michael talk, sent me a message last week about a client I'm working on. I think your words were, get the hell out of there right now. Mike, never, yeah, yeah. And Mike and I have worked together for 20 years. He would never say anything as directive as that to me. But I think he was genuinely concerned about what you're doing with your time, mate. And what's really interesting is they do talk about what, productivity. What is Sorry? Why what? is that? Because you're... Oh, can you hear me okay? Yeah. 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 I said, why is that? Is that because you've got more potential opportunity to have these meetings? Or yeah. is it because you've, you're quite a bit more in? Is it? I think it's a lot easier. There's well, more opportunity. It's very easy. I woke up within a week of starting engagement with that particular client where it's a two and a half thousand employee company, global organization. I'd met the CEO. I'd met the CRO. There was a big meeting all organized. All very easy to do on Teams, that. Mm -hmm. Nice and easy. Teams calls. And you, before you know it, I think it's like a vortex. As a salesman, you sucked in. I'm meeting the CRO. I'm meeting the CEO. Wow, the CEO's giving me an hour of his time. Wow, brilliant. But actually, that CEO's probably done 16 meetings like that day because he's mm -hmm. a CEO and he's busy. And all of a sudden, I'm sucked into some project that actually, it's rubbish. It's a rubbish project. I shouldn't be in it. That I'm what, never what's, gonna... changed, what's changed between now and how it was previously? Previously, you I would have... Previously, I'd have met them face-to-face. -face. It was a brand-new engagement, so I'd tell you what, let's meet and talk it through. They would have been reluctant to do it. I'd have then, if they had said yes, I'd have then qualified the living daylights out of it before I'd got in my car because I'd have thought, long way in the Tesla down to Basingstoke or God knows wherever, and I'd have qualified it much harder before I'd got in my car. Now, I don't have to qualify stuff. Oh, yeah, I'll jump on a team school with you. Because actually an hour is yeah. much less than nine hours. So I, I would ordinarily, uh, I'd have got really into budget, authority, timescales. Tell me a little bit about the requirement. Why is the requirement? What is it? How many other recruiters have you used? Tell me about your other recruitment experiences before I'd got in the car. I'd have worked out if they were tie kicking or not. Now, oh yeah, I'm, I'm on mm -hmm. a Teams call with one guy. Then he, next thing I know, the PA of the CEO is sending me another meeting. And I've done several meetings and it all feels great. And actually, do you know what? I got a bit egotistical about it. Oh, yeah, I mean, the CEO of this really big company. But actually, it's been a waste of time. Mm. And what's really surprised me is I do think 
I, I, I'm reasonably experienced bloke and I'm not too bad at what I do. I wonder how many other people are taking loads of mediocre meetings with loads of mediocre prospects that they wouldn't ordinarily have taken. And, and I think that stems from, if you think about sales management or sales people, there are a lot of KPIs yep. in the time. So when you talk about quality and quantity, and now because there's a lot of virtual workers and people working from home, they're not necessarily being watched, they're not in the office, and there's a real uh, distrust and mistrust about what they're doing. So those KPIs become even more relevant to management. Yes. So you end up literally doing as many as you can. And that's where you get this, these comments like, oh, people are no better. People are even worse. Because they're being forced down an avenue, which isn't about quality. It's just about quantity. Do you think that's a leadership thing, Dave? I think that's definitely a leadership thing, yeah. And you and Michael, you're both senior people in your own business. And you're calling each other out, but you still know that you're going down that route. I think anybody who's a salesperson um, is going to be finding that situation really difficult right now because sales leaders find it difficult to manage remote people, remote teams. I think there's also an erosion of peerage, isn't there? If, we, if let's say us four all work together, we're all sat in an office, and let's say I share the, I'm sat next to Russell, for argument's sake, and I make a, <clears throat> and I make a shocking call where someone bins me, I'm going to be marginally embarrassed by that. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. actually, I don't sit next to him now. I make a mediocre call and someone bins me, I don't get embarrassed. And I think there's a subtle erosion. And what I, I mean, we don't know, do we? But what I think is going to happen is in two or three years, this time is going to erode people's skills and it's going to take the really strong ones, strong-willed ones, to really survive and keep hot. In all the environments that you've all worked in, me as well, <clears throat> in your early 20s, a lot of what makes you succeed is just the peerage that's around you. Full stop. That's it. So oh, how are the kids yeah. going to get on with it now? <clears throat> Excuse me. So how are the kids going to get on with it now? You're a grad. You're 22, and you're sat on your mum and dad's dining room table. Actually, how good are your calls? Mm. Really? My and mates. My mate's son's in that position, Mike. Yeah, exactly. He's, a, he's at home working with his mum and dad. It's nuts. Well, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, back to the book, Jonathan. I think that was a very interesting point, the, 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 the leadership thing and the peer pressure thing. There, there is no Well, how peer, do you get, Russell and Dave, how are you as doing? As a virtual it? salesperson. It's got to be a lot harder. It is, yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah. Yeah. I, I've done some recruitment in the middle of the lockdown and it was impossible to one ball properly. It was, was it? Really challenging. Uh, what was interviewing yeah, like? And interview interviewing is a whole different thing as well so we've gone through i'm still recruiting now and we got we've actually increased the interview mm-hmm. on a process to actually know more people purely because it's very difficult recruiting salespeople is a nightmare anyway because even if you're about a bad salesperson you can sell yourself and a lot of it goes around body language and how you get on with the person it's really challenging to do that remotely and i'm pulling in uh, more people to do other interviews with the individuals to get more reference points to make sure we're making the right decisions and it's, it's challenging it's remotely as far as actually recruiting and onboarding remote is really challenging as well because it's very hard one to get the skills across but to build that team mentality yeah there's only so many times you can meet each other for a friday a cup of tea and a slice of cake i know it's an old-fashioned yeah. sort of thing but it's not quite the same as working in the office friday at four o'clock saying right let's all go and have a beer and yeah. you know, you're tapping somebody on the shoulder saying, listen, I'm very disappointed you lost that one or listen, well done doing that. Because we are, at the end of the day, we are human beings. We need to be sat next to each other to learn off each other. 
you're talking about these new guys that you've hired, new girls. A year ago, you'd hire Bill and you'd go, I'll tell you what, Bill, I'm going to sit near you next to Jenny. And Bill and Jenny wouldn't know what was going on, but you thought to yourself, if I sit you next to her, you're just going to be under a little bit of pressure because she's our top salesperson. Bill's yeah. just going to raise his game 2 or 3%. Nobody knows it's happened, but mm-hmm. that's what happens. Whereas you can't do that now. Bill sat at home on his own. And Jenny, nine times out of ten, the best salespeople are lone wolves anyway. Jenny's thinking, yeah, great, I'll crack on. You can't manage Jenny. And why would you need to? But you're all over Bill going, Bill, just do what Jenny does. And Bill's going, well, I've never met her though. What are you on about, boss? And that is going to create a big problem. Now, it's not, much, it's not as much of a problem, I don't think, if you're 48 and you've been selling since you, since you were 21. But I bet if you're 22... 21, I bet that's going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Quite how Pareto and those kind of well, glad recruiters are getting on. God we know, don't we, Mike? Because we've you got a relationship so. with somebody you who owns a grad so. agency. What we do know is that grad agencies are in a dark place because people mm, yep. are saying, how would I take on a grad intake right now? But what I do think is there will be an unbelievable and unmitigated bender of graduate recruitment in May, June of next year. I think, it Possibly, will be, yeah. I think it will be nuts because nobody's recruited a grad now for a year. So people are going to look at their sales teams and go, we've not really hired any SDRs of any note other than experienced ones. We could do with some fresh ones. I do think there'll be a really big boom of grad recruitment in May, June of next year. I also think that rumours of the demise of office working are greatly exaggerated, actually. But what I do Maybe. believe... Well, let's get back to the what, book, though, because that's a different thing. It's not, because it's in a, a key point, which is they're saying in the book, buyers won't be taking as many in-person meetings as they used to. They'll be evaluating online, talking to sellers over video conference calls, expecting virtual collaboration, and anticipating virtual presentations, which is location 215 in the Kindle. Um, uh, 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 I just don't... I'm less convinced. I think your point, Mike, is people need human contact, and I think that... April, May next year, I think people who've not had human contacts will crave it. I think there'll be a real bounce. It'll be a different bounce. And I think we will all be virtually selling an awful lot more. I do think that 30, 40% of it will never go back. But I also think there'll be a lot of people saying, I can't wait to meet someone face to face. It's part of what makes us human. Yeah. Has it turned around? If, if you think about... 18 months ago, two years ago, it was a lot of face-to-face and you introduce some virtual and you're like, how do I get this right? Is it going to be the other way around? There's a lot of virtual. And it's like, people are going back to, how do I get the face-to-face right? <laughs> how do I integrate that back Probably. into my selling process? Yeah, could quite be. If, you know, if you think, we, we talked about not that many people being hired, but if people have been hired in the last 12 months, that's all they know. Yeah. yeah. And we've placed plenty of people in yeah. the last, we've placed plenty of people, haven't we, Mike, where... That they've got on with it. My missus has changed jobs in software sales in the last few months. She's laptops arrived in the post. Yeah, we've got, done plenty of it. Yeah, yeah, she's just got on with it. Yeah, she's made. She's there what four weeks. She's won a couple of deals. She's got on with it, but she's an experienced pro. Yeah, yeah. And going back to the book, Michael. Thank you. One of the things that that I missed was you, you talked about in that office where you could just you know segue with somebody. The virtual tap on the shoulder is really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's, That's it's, why it's I think apps like, uh, I've noticed, the, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of an app called Gong. No. Gong is a, it's a selling platform. Basically, it record, it, it, there's a number of them. If you look them up, there's apps like Gong and a couple of others, Ring DNA, 
where what they're doing is it's creating a sales platform for virtual selling. And what it's doing is it's recording calls. It's using AI to listen to calls, providing the salesperson with feedback on what's been said. And I've noticed some of those vendors are growing an enormous rate because people are saying, how do I, how do I support people? How do I keep a salesperson on the straight and narrow? How does a salesperson keep himself on the straight and narrow? He doesn't have a mate sat next to him to say, what did you say to that guy? What did you say that for, mate? That was ridiculous. Don't do that again. Yeah. And for somebody that, saying, what, 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 what really did I say? Uh, the interesting comment there is, how do I keep myself on the narrow, straight and narrow? Whether yeah. it's virtual, whether it's in the past, the, the, the discipline of an individual is paramount to their success. And, it's, and that's a lot. I go down the driving range and I video my own golf swing. And then sometimes I send the video to my golf pro. I'm, I'm like on this winter boot camp thing where uh, I get X amount of video reviews and X amount of lessons a month. And part of that is the discipline of going to the range and setting up my phone on a tripod, videoing my swings, yeah, yeah. and then hitting some shots and then sending it back to Jonathan, the pro. And then he comes back with comments saying, yep, yeah, it's coming along nice. No, it's not. But nobody's doing that with our salespeople at the moment, really. And I do think that's the bit that the book's missing is they're the real issues in virtual selling is qualification and that, that element. Well, there, should, there should be a chapter on managing your virtual sales team. Yeah, coaching your virtual sales team. And yeah, I made a point about this on LinkedIn the other day about is anybody actually going on meetings with salespeople now? Are you doing any of that? I am. I am, I am to a certain extent. But it's, it's, it's challenging because obviously you can't, you're, you're, you end up being um, a kind of, you end up running the meeting because you're actually there by default and you're the most senior yeah. person in the room and it's very visible. So it's very difficult to actually get that, understand around how they would have performed on their own. And I'm trying to do virtual sessions after and before meetings to actually ensure we prepare properly and then actually get the takeaways afterwards. And that's working okay. But is it really embedding down there? Are we seeing that results as far as actually how that works going forward is, is another question, really. Do, um, what do you, you ever really, record the meetings? Because you, you could record it, the Mike. meetings and review it, couldn't you? Yeah, we did. And, was, and in fact, that was, that was one thing I did take away from the book, as, if anything, was about the effect of recording meetings. I do it sometimes for, for when we've got customer meetings and there's people who can't attend and things. Yes. But I don't necessarily do that all the time. And obviously, you need to ask before you can record. But yes. it's a valuable tool. It's something we can use... One, to actually review what's been said and how to learn from that, that engagement, also to share that, those insights across a wider team you want to meet. Right. right.